the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. It is recorded in the book of John that Jesus once said, If he is lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension are all linked to this glorious exaltation, and it is a call made to the entire world. No class, social status, race, or gender is excluded from this declaration. That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. So I want to speak to you on the subject of uh, Rizpah. Everybody say Rizpah. Uh, turn to the 10th book. It's the 10th book. Genesis would be 1. Exodus would be 2. Leviticus would be 3. From the very beginning, go 10 books and you'll find 2 Samuel. David, during this period, is king. Israel has been in a famine for three years. That's a long time to go without food. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. David wants to know why. Why are we suffering? I want you to look at verse 1, 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 1. During the reign of who? David. There was a famine for three successive years. That's a long time. So David did what he should have done. He sought the face of the Lord. And the Lord said, it is on account, if you're asking me why, it's on account of Saul. Now let me take a time out and explain who Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. They, Israel had settled in the land, and uh, all the other nations had kings, and Israel wanted a king, and God kept saying, no, 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 this is a bad idea, you don't want a king. And they said, no, we want a king. He said, okay, here's your king, King Saul. He was the first king. Saul dies. David becomes the second king. So now David is in charge. There's a famine for three years. David wants to know why are we suffering. He goes to God and says, God, why are we suffering? And God's basically saying, David, this this one's not on you. It's on the guy who served before you, King Saul. And look what it says in verse 1. It is on account of Saul and his blood-stained house. It is because he, Saul, put the Gibeonites to what? To death. I believe that in the midst of this conversation between David and God, that God revealed to David or impressed upon his heart, David, if you want to get rid of this famine in the land, if you want to get rid of this curse, You're going to have to make amends to the Gibeonites. You're going to have to go back and seek restitution. Because, look at verse 2. Verse 2 says that the king 
summoned the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not part of Israel, but were survivors of the Amorites. The Israelites had sworn to spare them, but Saul in his zeal for Israel and Judah had tried to annihilate them. Now look at verse 3. David asked the Gibeonites, what shall I do for you? How shall I make, and here's the key word, amends. He's trying to fix the situation. He's not so concerned about the Gibeonites. He's trying to get rid of the famine. Are you with me on that? But he goes and he says, how can I make amends to you so that you will bless the Lord's inheritance? Now the Gibeonites, don't forget they're a little sneaky, they set David up. The Gibeonites in verse 4 answered him, we have no right to demand silver or gold from Saul. And I can just see David going, at least they don't want money. Uh, This is a good thing. He says in verse 4, the Gibeonites said, we have no right to demand silver or gold from Saul or his family, nor do we have the right to put anyone in Israel to death. And so David's thinking, all right, all right, what do you want? So he says at the end of verse 4, he goes, all right, if you don't want silver, if you don't want gold, what is it that you want? They answered the king. As for the man who destroyed us, which was Saul, the man who plotted against us, which was Saul, so that we have been decimated and have no place anywhere in Israel, here's what we want, verse 6. Let seven of his male descendants be given to us to be killed and exposed before the Lord at Gibeah, which is where Saul was from, the Gibeah of Saul, the Lord's chosen one. Now, you need to understand that David, again, was not just dealing with the Gibeonites. He was dealing with all of Israel. He was dealing with the three years of God's hand of blessing being off of Israel. And at the end of verse 6, David gives them what they wanted. He gives them the seven sons of Saul. Now look at verse 9. Skip down to verse 9. It says that he handed them over to the Gibeonites who killed and exposed them on a hill before the Lord. All seven of them fell together. They were put to death during the first days of the harvest, just as the barley harvest was what? Here's this dramatic story. You've got this hill of Gibeah. You've got seven crosses. You've got the seven sons and grandsons of Saul hanging on those seven crosses. This was a great day for the Gibeonites. They jumped and shouted and hissed and ridiculed and rejoiced and jumped up and down and pranced and danced and cursed. They were so excited because they finally had their day. And when the sun set that day, write this down, all seven of those boys, those male descendants, the sons and grandsons of Saul, were hanging dead on those seven crosses. Now, here's what happened. The sun goes down. There's a little old woman by the name of Rizpah. She's the mother of two of those seven boys. She was a concubine of Saul's. She was part of Saul's harem. She is the mother of two of these seven boys. And when the sun goes down that day, this little old woman called Rizpah, she climbs up on the hill of Gibeah. And when she sees her two boys, 
She kisses their bloody feet. She weeps hot, bitter tears. She cries uncontrollably. Her heart is broken because there was a rule, a law back in those days for the Gibeonites that if you died uh, like a criminal on a cross, that you could not come down off that cross. Your body had to stay on the cross until the birds of the air had picked your body clean because you did not deserve a burial. But all of a sudden, the beast of the field start to smell the blood of those seven boys. And so as the beasts come, she gets up with her sackcloth and she begins to wave and jump and shout and scream and yell. She fights off the wild beast all night long. The next morning when the sun comes up, she thinks, well, finally I can get some rest. She takes the sackcloth and she lays it down on the rock, but no, all of a sudden the vultures, the birds of the air by the day begin to come and they circle those seven boys and she takes the sackcloth and she gets back up and she yells and she screams and she fights the wild beast by night and the birds of the air by day. Look at verse 10. Let's read what it says. It says, Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth, spread it out for herself on a rock. For five months from the beginning of the harvest to when the rain poured down from the heavens on the bodies she did not let the birds of the air touch them by day or the wild animals by night meanwhile back at the palace david is in the palace someone comes in and says david you remember the woman rizpah part of saul's concubine two of the seven sons are hers and David said, yes. And they, they said to David, she's lost her mind. What do you mean she's lost her mind? That woman has been up there since the beginning of the harvest for five months. This little woman has been on the hill of Gibeah with a sackcloth fighting off the birds of the air by day and the beasts of the field by night. And when David heard that, he said, take the law off the books. Go get those seven boys. And according to verse 11, 12, 13, and 14, guess what they do? The soldiers come and take those boys off those seven crosses, and they take them back to where Saul was buried, and those boys are buried in the king's cemetery. They're given a royal burial with King Saul. Again, a very, very dramatic story, but here's the point of all this. Look at the last line of verse 14. The very last line, when all this took place, God answered the prayer on behalf of the what? The land. I have one question, and the question is why? Why are you here on this hill? There's three different groups of people, and I want to ask the same question to all three groups. The first group are to the seven sons on the seven crosses. I ask you, young men, why? Why are you here on the hill of Gibeah? Why are you hanging on these seven crosses? Now, if their parched lips could talk, if their swollen tongues could talk, they would say to you, the only reason we're here is because our Father sinned. We're here because our father sinned. We had nothing to do with this. 
and they would be correct. I want to take you back to a passage where the Ten Commandments of God were given to the people of Israel. Exodus chapter 20. The very first commandment was, Thou shalt have no other gods except me. Commandment number one, God said, Thou shalt have no other gods. Commandment number two, stay with me on this. Thou shalt have no great graven images. So the, the first two commandments, no other gods, no graven images, and worship no one else except me. Those are the first two commandments. Before he ever gives commandment three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or ten, because really if you get the first two down, the rest of them are all going to fall in place. But after he gives the first two commandments, the Bible says these words in verse 5, Exodus chapter 20, that the sins of the Father will be passed down to the third and fourth, what? Generations. That if a man disobeys God, if a man worships any other God, if a man builds an idol in his own life and worships that rather than God, that the sins of that father will be passed down to the third, fourth, and generation. You know, preacher, I don't know about that. I don't know if I agree with that generational curse thing you just said there. Well, most of our problems in our culture today are a result of husbands and men and fathers who have chosen to worship other gods. And because we as men are not the godly examples that we're supposed to be, we're seeing a great breakdown in our culture, in our society, from the violence, from the disrespect, from those who are in authority. The breakup of our homes and our marriages can all be tied directly or indirectly to men, fathers, husbands, failing to live the way God designed you to live. Because in the heart of God and in the mind of God, God put the man here to be the spiritual leader in his home, to be the spiritual leader for his spouse, to be the spiritual leader for his children, to be the role model. We emphasize sports and athleticism. We emphasize making money. We emphasize education, which there's nothing wrong with emphasizing those things. Those are things are good. But the problem is we're not emphasizing the one thing that we should be emphasizing, which is to be a godly man, to be a godly father, to be a godly son and a godly daughter. That's what we should be emphasizing. I started to ask myself, where did I learn all these things? How did I learn how to love the church? How did I learn how to love to preach? How did I learn how to love the Bible? Guess where I learned it from? I learned it from my dad. Where did, where did my dad learn all that? Where did my dad learn how to preach? Where did my dad learn how to love his wife? Where did my dad learn how to love his family? Where did my dad learn to love the Bible? Where did my dad learn to love Jesus? Guess where he learned it from? His dad. You see? It's passed down from generation to generation. I always tell that story and people always go, well, you're lucky. That's not the family I come from. My dad was missing in action. My dad was a drunk, an alcoholic. You're lucky, Pastor. I think to myself, well, you know, I am blessed. I'm not lucky, I'm blessed. That my dad served the Lord, my grandfather served the Lord, and you're looking at me, I'm just a part 
of a, a third, fourth generation of men who've served God. And I'll tell you this, I always say back to you, if you didn't have a family background like me, why don't you become the first? Instead of making excuses, why don't you break the curse so that one day, one day you walk down here and you give your life to Christ, one day if you, if just you as a man today would sit, forget about your background, and today and from this day for the rest of your life, you're going to love the Bible, you're going to love the church, you're going to love Jesus, you're going to love your spouse, you're going to love your children, you're going to emphasize being a godly man, a godly father. One day, guess what? Your children will come. One day, your grandchildren will come. One day, your great-grandchildren, just because you made that decision today. People you don't even know will one day come to Christ because of your decision today. And he gives this word of warning in that verse 5, that anyone who chooses to disobey me and dishonor me and uh, not keep me first and only priority in your life, that there'll be a curse upon the fourth and fifth and generation. And so many of you, when I read that, you thought, well, that seems unfair. That, that just doesn't seem right. Well, whenever you read something difficult in the Bible, keep reading because there's other good stuff. And the very next verse, verse 6, says that if you as a man will love God, if you as a man will obey God, if you will obey the commandments of God, if you'll keep God number one, the Bible says in verse six that God will bless you and he'll show love and blessing to your family line for a thousand generations. So as a man today, you have a choice to bring a curse upon your generations for three and four generations or you can make a decision today that will be a blessing for a thousand generations after you. And the only question is this, will you or will you not do what God calls you to do? Look at the seven boys on the seven crosses. Why are they there? They're there because their dad sinned. If Saul had obeyed God and not got full of pride and thought he didn't need to follow the things of God, those boys would have been alive. So I say to every man in this room, every husband, we've got to learn how to be men of God and to serve God and obey God with all of our heart. Future generations are at stake. Number two, the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites, that little remnant of people that were dancing on the graves of those seven boys, happy and excited why are you here on this hill called Gibeah? They'd give you one word. We're here for revenge. That's why we're here. We're here to get even with a man we hated. We're here to get even with the man who lied to us, the man who broke his promises to God before us. And I want everyone here to know that this is one of the worst problems that we have in the entire world. That once we have been mistreated, once we have been wronged, that we are not going to be happy until the score is settled. That's called revenge, bitterness, payback. And it's happening all over the world today. It's thousands of years of just retaliation one to the other. 
We have governments retaliating one government against the other. We spy on them. They spy on us. They bomb us. We bomb them. Just retaliation. We have people retaliating one against the other based on the color of my skin. Once I was mistreated, I will retaliate against you. And now they have a feeling they've got to retaliate back against you. We see that happening. We have children retaliating against their parents. Listen, we're not supposed to retaliate. We're not supposed to take revenge. The Bible says in Romans 12 verse 19, revenge belongs to the Lord. God even said these words, vengeance is mine, I will repay. You say, well, I'm going to get even. Let someone else get even. Let God get even. Let God be God. But when you harbor bitterness and revenge and unforgiveness in your heart towards anybody for any reason, you are the one that's actually being held captive. Don't be like the Gibeonites. Don't seek revenge. And my third group is just to Rizpah herself. And I have to ask her, why are you here? And you know what the answer is. I'm here because of a mother's love. This hill called Gibeah, these seven boys dying on these seven crosses, and this one little woman up there with her sackcloth fighting off the beast of the field by night and the birds of the air by day and she does this from the beginning of the harvest till the season of the rains for five months she does this you say pastor that is the greatest story i have ever heard oh there's one better than that one from the hill of gibeah where those seven boys died four miles to the south is another hill called golgotha And there aren't seven crosses on that hill, but there's three crosses silhouetted on that hill outside of Jerusalem. And if you were to go to the man in the middle, the one hanging there, there's three boys. If you were to go to the boy in the middle, the Son of God, the one hanging there at sunset on Calvary with nails having been driven through his hands and his feet, and you were to go to him and ask him, why are you here? He would say to you, because of a father's love, God gave up his one and only son. See him hanging there on that cross. He gave his one and only son that whoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Listen, when you see the cross upon which Jesus died, you need to know that Jesus died for you and that Jesus died for me. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. 
The secret to overcoming any obstacle you are facing today is revealed through one of the most extraordinary victories ever recorded in the Bible, the Battle of Jericho. Joshua and the Israelites followed God's unusual plan to walk around the heavily fortified walls of Jericho for seven days. The Lord promised that at the end of those seven days, he would cause the walls of that famed city to fall, allowing his people to take possession of the promised land. In his book, Walls Fall Down, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shows us how the seven spiritual principles in this story are available for all of us today. You will learn how the foundation behind Joshua's victory is the key to overcoming your own hurdles and unsolvable issues. When you choose to do things God's way, walls crumble, victory replaces defeat, and a blessed future unfolds. Pastor Dudley's book, Walls Fall Down, is available for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This invaluable resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover how your personal Jericho battle is no match for the power of an awesome God. Call us right now and receive your copy of Walls Fall Down by Pastor Dudley Rutherford today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at the same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley